Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, getting right back to summer scouting, it is the cornerback position. This is one of the positions in the game where it could be a premium position that could be picked very early in the draft. So we're going to take a deep dive looking at this upcoming cornerback class before they play what could be their final years of college football and what the 2023 NFL draft cornerback class can shape up to be. You know the drill. Connor and I will give you our top five, starting at number five, going all the way down to number one, the guys that we think are the best in the class, what they have to prove, what they've proven already, and what they we believe they can be as pros in the NFL. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers coming to you guys on a Thursday edition of the pod, which means it's summer scouting time. It's not always going to mean that, Connor. We only got two episodes left. This is the cornerback group where Connor and I are going to give you our top five preseason corners. Going into this season, of course, we're talking about the 2023 NFL draft, so guys who are still in college football. But after this, man, it's just safeties. Just safeties, and then we're going to do a big, big board episode. But Buddy, I know that's sad to see summer scouting go, but that also means the season is right around the corner. Yeah, man, it's it's a really good feeling, honestly. When I was watching these corners that we're going to go through today, I got that really excited feeling of like almost putting the last brick in the wall that like, man, after we do the safeties, we have all our top fives. You and I are then going to work together and make a big board. And then you let it ride into the season and guys are going to fall out. Guys are going to jump in, but it just, it feels like the end of a part of the show. And then you're moving on to where you're actually evaluating performances and games, which is a lot more exciting. Mm -hmm. Preseason football is here. We got a cup of tea of Jacksonville, Vegas, but there's going to be a lot of preseason football. If you're listening on Thursday tonight, barely Friday. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever that was poor Josh Jacobs, man. He's like, why am I here? Um, But yeah, man, it's it's exciting. Look, I had to do the um, I did the recap on PFF.com and recaps, obviously very simple for preseason games. But it's funny because normally when you do recaps for games, you have real stats, right? Guys are playing all four quarters and instead it's just I'm I'm looking at my editor. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to write. I don't know who the third good running back is in this game because they're probably uh, was barely three to to go around. So, look, we've waited this whole time. Everybody was hyped up for football. I don't mean to damper that excitement. I think we'll get some real preseason action. Hall of Fame game stinks. Right. Every, preseason game awesome. Yeah, that's okay. You 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 put it correctly right there. I just I'm gonna smash retweet on uh it's a stinky on what game. you said that. Hey, before we get to corners, are the Mets still good? I'm just checking in. I'm getting my baseball check in right now because I don't I don't really follow baseball until the playoffs. I know that makes me like a bandwagon, but like it's okay. It's, it's you I, you're I, forgiven. I follow, look, I have a Rays shirt on for everybody. So and it's I'm a good like, one. I'm, I'm I'm repping the Rays here, but I don't really care until the playoffs. So like, are the Mets still good? Is that still a thing, brother? The Mets are just rolling right now. I almost debuted a new Mets hat on the show, but it's not broken in yet. I'm a big mm. breaking in the hat kind of guy, so it's gonna have to wait a little bit. But four out of five against Atlanta uh, in our in our home ballpark, beautiful City Field. Jacob Degrom's back. Edwin Diaz has the bet. Have you seen at least the Edwin Diaz entrance? Of course, I, you, you couldn't have missed it. You couldn't miss it. It was, it, miss was, it. it was like Stone Cold Steve Austin WWE entrance level good. Like it's up tr- there. It's just how there's different like moments throughout the song of like him actually coming out of the bullpen onto the field. Then when he's walking, then you get the trumpets and it's like, dude, I feel like I could go out there and get a save for the Mets if I was that pumped up. If you played that music for me as I was walking in. So iconic, you- iconic. It actually, it's so funny you brought up Stone Cold. It got me down a rabbit hole of like best Monday Night Raw returns or debuts. I watched Jericho's debut when Triple H came back from the quad injury and it had the Motorhead song. Like, it's amazing what YouTube can do to you, all from Edwin Diaz's entrance. When Edge comes back for the first time and he's almost, like, crying, like, as he's, like, walking to the arena. Oh, dude. Entrances are one of the greatest things about sports, honestly. Greatest entrance in WWE history is... uh, Baseball needs more of this. I agree. I agree 100%. Wait, before we move on, before we move on and get into the football, you said that you haven't broken in a hat yet. How do you break in a hat? Do you, like, wear it around the house and nowhere in public for, like, three days before you actually test it out in the public realm? 
Yeah, I try. I try to do that. And then sometimes I'll just pick it up every once in a while and start curving it. Because mm. I don't want to sit there for like 20 minutes just destroying this brim. So you got to like pick it up, mess with the brim for 30 to 45 seconds, put it back down, and then you come back around later in the day and do that again. It takes a, it takes a while to break in a half for me. Like I have a, I think I have a smaller head. Uh, as most people could probably tell that watch the show, I wear hats from like the 90s. And it's sure I like the look, but they're the only thing that fit me. Like I don't wear fitted hats anymore. They're just oh, buckets. Oh, can't. Cannot they're do it. buckets. Do it. So I have to find hats from, you know, or, you know, a couple of good brands out there. So yeah, it takes, it takes a while for Dude, me. Dude, when I was picky. in, when I was in middle school, high school era and like going to the mall, and going to lids was fitted the hats. thing. You like everybody went and got a fitted hat, and it was that was that was nightmare era for your boy. That was nightmare oh, yeah. era for me. I could not find an actual size that really fit my head. It was either. Do you remember was, what you were women, close to? What's the uh, what's the first number? Is it like I think it's usually and, seven, unless you okay, just seven, have an seven, absolute seven, seven, dome. Seven. All right, <laughs> no, no, I did not. Uh, <laughs> like, there's some people that have eights out there, and they are absolute units. I think like seven and three eighths. Yeah, if, me, if I was I'm, the same way. But we the were thing the same is, like a seven sometimes. and three eighths didn't exactly fit me. I think well, that was just... carried like none of them ever. If you didn't have seven and a quarter or seven and a half, it's like good luck, kid. How like, was rocks. I supposed to rep my sports teams in the fitted hat hair? I just I yeah. couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm kind of shocked that that MLB players and it's obviously an agreement, you know, with uniforms, it's still wear fitted hats. I thought we'd go back full circle where they go back to the snapbacks, mm. but they don't. They still wear fitted hats. And I never thought about that. You don't even have yeah. the option to wear a snapback, right? No, because every I think that you have to be uniform compliant. Uh, so I think I'm assuming I've never seen a guy in this era wear a non-fitted hat. Like even Buck Showalter, if, who's like 70 years old in the dugout, has a fitted hat on. If it was allowed, someone would be doing it right now, and you know it. Yeah. Oh, so. it'd be great. I, uniforms in sports need a little more flexibility. I get why there's rules with it, but they need to be a little bit more flexible. Unfortunately, there's two, it's it's the money, right? And we'll we'll get into football. Yeah, in you're right. Seconds. But like that's it's the money the thing. Money. Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. Money. yeah. This 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 company's making this hats and it's the official MLB hat. Blah blah blah. Just let guys let let guys yeah. wear what they want. Then it's on field apparel, cool. and then it's forty percent more than anything else. And you know how it is, brother. Hate it. Hate it. Anyways, speaking corners, of on the field. corners. Yeah. Speaking of on the field, there's the transition, transition. we know and love. That's that is an ace co-host right there. Uh, we're talking corners today. We're talking about our we'll, we'll give you our top fives as we always do during summer scouting. We'll go from five to one. We'll count down. Uh, see how many similarities that we have here. We watched uh, around the same guys. I think there's a couple of guys that I watched that you didn't watch, and vice yeah. versa. But we'll get a good look at this cornerback class. It's obviously a position that has a chance to really be picked high. It's one of those premium positions on the defensive side of the football that uh, when you get a certain type of corner, and I think that certain type of corner is a press man coverage corner, a guy who allows you to play the most difficult part of the position, being on an island, taking out a wide receiver one-on-one, playing on both sides of the field, inside and outside. When you get those kinds of players, that becomes an incredibly high valuable position. Now, there are corners that comes in, you know, in all shapes and sizes. I know you guys are so sick of me saying that phrase, but it's kind of true. We're just at this point in the NFL there. You might have man coverage corners. You might have zone coverage corners. You might have guys who uh, like to be hybrids playing more safety roles. Maybe guys who are going to be solely inside guys, just these slot players, right? After that, value can depend on what kind of a defensive scheme you run. But I'm curious if we get to any conclusions, because there are a couple of guys that are gaining some steam going into the season that either of us would deem that top 10 caliber kind of draft pick here. So I don't think we're getting to that at number five, but who is your number five corner in this class after watching a lot of these guys going into college football season? Like a lot of these shows, number five was really hard because there's a lot of guys that can go here for different reasons, whether it's you like them as a developmental prospect, you like what they are now, or you think they're po- they're poised for a breakout, a lot of things along those lines. Uh, the guy I went with here at number five is a little bit of everything, and that was Garrett Williams from Syracuse, a okay. player that let's be clear he has his warts like there's a lot of things he needs to work on but number one Trevor this is just something I have to get off the top he's listed as redshirt sophomore but this is his this is his fourth year so these like COVID listings are just so insane where 
he's been there since 2019. Um, he only appeared in four games that redshirt year, obviously. And then, so this is his fourth year, but he's a redshirt sophomore. So there is upside with him still, but it's not like, you know, he's a, a really raw, raw player in terms of where he's at. So you'll see the get... underclassman label and you'll think, oh, okay, like yes. super raw, but he's been there for four years. He's been there for a little bit now. So, all right, let's get right into it with Garrett Williams. Um, you know, in school of Syracuse that, yeah, we've had like Andre Cisco and, and True Williams, guys like this in the recent past, but not traditionally in school where you're pulling out these powerhouse defenders all the time. So uh, for him to be, you know, near the top of this corner group is, is a pretty big deal. I look at him, two-year starter already. Mm -hmm. The most important thing that jumped out to me is he's just smooth. The way he moves, totally. he's fluid. It's it's very notable. It's in that Adore Jackson mold where he's very lean and every he just looks like an athlete in the position where he's he's not rigid, he's not stiff, he's not tight, anything like that. Now, I think that the rest of his game just needs fundamental work. I, I wrote he gets a little sloppy um slash loss after the line of scrimmage portion of the rep so there's there's no hip tightness so he can flip his hips he can backpedal he can get off the line and into phase and stay in phase and stays but when you have to stay sticky he just gets lost at times whether he's he's almost indecisive if he's worrying about the football or he's worrying about the wide receiver or he's worrying about making the play and Trevor, I wanted to note this out to you. Where you can find this notable is against your boy A.T. Perry against Wake Forest in 2021 where A.T. Perry's a big receiver, and he's going to get physical. But he's also, credit to him, a good route runner. And you could just tell that, you know, Williams is a little overwhelmed at times in that game. No interceptions in 2021. He just struggles to anticipate the ball. Mm -hmm. it, there's not the ball's coming, I'm getting making the play. Like, I'm jumping the pass or I'm making a play in the air. Um, I thought he tackles well on throws in front of him. There was quick hitters and screens. He comes downhill. He wraps up. And only 44 press snaps in 2021. So I think my overall, that, that's a lot, that's a mouthful there with Garrett Williams. It's that he moves really well and guys that are about six feet tall that move really well at corner are often really valued. Like that's, that's very important. It's very special. Sure. The, I just think that next step of having the awareness of making plays in the air needs to significantly improve. And that also Syracuse this year needs to put more on his plate. They need to look at him and go, man, you're a really good player for our program, and we have big expectations for you, and we're going to ask you to press more. We're going to ask you to be physical at the line of scrimmage because we know you have the recovery speed and the fluidity to make up ground if you need to do that. So I, I, I like the player, but he's a ball of clay right now. But I also think a lot of this is on Syracuse to get the best out of him in his draft-eligible year. Yeah, he had 297 coverage snaps last year 46 of them came in press coverage yeah it's not much not, just much not a lot there's just not a lot of, of of evidence of him being able to play press and i didn't hate it right i mean like you mentioned it his athleticism is his best trait and really good I athlete think his, i think his fluidity is something that was really really impressed to me yep. this is a player who could flip his hips very very well which means you know when you are face up right in front of a guy in press coverage and you know he's he's dancing he's getting out of his stance he's getting into his route whether he's breaking left or right of you depending on what kind of leverage you have if you got to flip your hips and all of a sudden start ro running with him in one direction Garrett Williams can do that like he yep. I think he can do that really well he so I'll just read the strength and weaknesses that I had for him because I have him at number four so we might as well just continue the conversation because I cool. talk about him now. yeah it makes sense I'll just talk about him now I got him at number four really fluid athlete these are my notes for him really fluid and explosive athlete when he was changing direction he's a very twitched up player most of his reps come from off coverage quarters coverage but when he plays press man you can really see how fluid his hips are how he breaks uh, on that change of direction and how can he can really stay with guys as they start getting into their top speed deep down the field movement skills huge plus for this guy and and i really do hope that i'm with you this is my same plea as well let this guy play press man coverage please at least at least just just get him in the line of scrimmage get him up at the line of scrimmage because that's also the area of his game that i think he needs to improve on the most is dealing with physicality i don't think he was scared of being physical there were just times where 
whether it happened to be in the contact zone, if he was playing closer to the line of scrimmage or whether it was at the catch point, which you mentioned two interceptions, his first year that he was a starter, zero interceptions last year. And I think it's because you said that he kind of fails to anticipate the way that he needs to. I do think that's an element of it, but another element of it is you got to put your, put your big boy pants on when you go in yeah. the air, right? I mean, like that wide receiver, yeah. they talk about it all the time. Like that's your money. Like that ball, when that ball is in the air and you're further than 15 yards down the field, that is your money that you are going up to get. That's how a lot of these coaches put it to these guys to make it a dire situation where they better get the dog in them if uh, to quote TikTok, and 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 that's what a lot of wide receivers, that's the mentality they have towards it. When I watch Williams go up towards the line of scrimmage, come screaming down on a running back or a wide receiver on a screen, I don't think he gets scared of that physicality. He's just not used to it a lot. And and he just he he needs to get better at that area of the game. He's got to be better at the catch point. He's got to he's got to be able to not only get those passes uh defense down the field, he's got to be able to go up and get that ball over some of those wide receivers to go get those takeaways. Those are the guys who get paid. Yes, you want the shutdown, you want the lockdown corner, I think he's got good athleticism and agility to be able to do that. But the guys who really get paid, the guys who really get drafted high, they get takeaways. And that's the next level of his game, I think, dealing with physicality in that way that will kind of hold the key for him on where he is going to get drafted because I do think that he's got – you mentioned him being a ball of clay. He's a ball of clay that you really like because that baseline of athleticism is right there for him. I just think – those two areas, really the ball skills, playing through physicality, and then just he's got to get more reps up towards the line of scrimmage. Those are those are the things that I want to see from him. Yeah, I found myself really frustrated watching him because, and, and I don't think that's fair on my end because he's still a young player. He obviously is he's not like playing for a program that has this, you know, powerhouse pass rush where he gets some of these gifted balls to make a play on. The the you know, the chances he gets are definitely would be earned, but it's just not there right now. So somebody that may get our rankings, I have him five, you have him at four, uh, is very intriguing to watch because the level of athlete he is. And if if they, I want to see them not throw him into the fire because he's already played as a young player, but like really be like, hey, your time. Like I remember when J.C. Horn was going into his junior year, that's the, and this isn't what I expect of him, but that staff was like, Hey, you're gonna. You're at, he asked, "Can I trail receivers? Can I take away half the field? Can I do things like? Can I play press a lot? Do I have the green light to press when I feel like it's time to press? Like, it's good when guys get that kind of workload because you can evaluate. It's selfish of us as scouts, but you can evaluate the most of them. Does so, Syrac- does Syracuse have the same defensive coordinator? I think they do going into this year. I yeah, believe it's Tony, so. it's Tony White. He started in yeah. 2020, saying so he's yeah. still the defense coordinator. That staff's intact. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know how much of a different scheme or how much of a different look we're, we're going to get from from Yeah, Williams, a but. lot of guys don't like. They won't change unless it's a you know near a, a difference maker that they just haven't seen before. Right, and sometimes right. the guys still won't change. Maybe, but so. that's kind of yeah. That's my overall thought. There's a lot to like with Garrett Williams. I really do think that, but. I do wonder if the areas that I want to see some improvement of, or just, you know, some extra familiarity with some reps that I think that he can even well round his game better. Are we going to see that? Is he going to be afforded to get better in those areas this upcoming season? We'll, we'll, we'll have to see number five for me. Yeah, who'd you have five brother? I I'm, I'm falling for another TCU corner, which seems oh, to boy. be my, my absolute kryptonite. It, it, it's, it's Noah Daniels. Um, one of hey, my, man, he's good. When one he plays, fa- he's good. One of my favorite corners of all time that I've ever scouted was Jason Verrett. I love Jason Verrett so much. I mean, I, I turned on two games of him, and this was early on. What well, Jason Verrett was the 2014 draft, right? I Sounds think he was. Right. The, I think he was the 2014 draft, something right around there. That was either my first draft class I ever really scouted or my second one, and. Dude, I fell in love with his game immediately, and my heart has just been broken over and over again as he has continued to have injuries throughout his NFL career because I think that he is unbelievably talented. I I think the same, a similar mindset with, with Noah Daniels because this is a player who, when I watch him on film, when I watch him when he is actually out there fully healthy, it's a player that I really, really like. He's just got an awful injury history right now, and that really sucks not only at the college level but going into the NFL. Listed at six feet tall, just over 200 pounds. You know, some places list him at like 195. Uh, TCU actually lists him at, I think, like 210. And I don't think he's 210, but I think that he's probably comfortably right around 205. And the dude brings a lot of really great size. He fills out his frame really well. He's very well built. But the injury history, 
sucks, man. Uh, after redshirting his very first year that he had at TCU, as a redshirt freshman, played in all 13 games, played very, very well, had a really good coverage grade for PFF, especially for a redshirt freshman. I think it was right around 75, which if you're starting as a redshirt freshman, that's an awesome. I, I, anything around 75 as a coverage grade is really, really impressive. Unfortunately, that has been his only complete season that he has played yet in college football. Shoulder injury meant that he missed his entire redshirt sophomore season. Once he recovered from that, he started his redshirt junior season, tore his ACL after five games. I think it was in the Oklahoma game uh, that he tore his ACL. And then last year, he only played in four more games because he had nagging injuries. I think the knee was the one that I saw that he was battling with the most throughout last season. So this guy has, since his redshirt freshman season, he's played in zero games, five games, four games. And he's had season-ending shoulder surgery, which is not good for defensive players, as we have talked about on this podcast. He's had season-ending ACL injury, which is not good for cornerbacks. And then last year, it was injuries that were still really bugging him. So, look, I think this is his sixth year. You mentioned, like, some some COVID years, which kind of messed with guys. It is. This is either his fifth or sixth year. I think it is his sixth year in college football this year. But, dude, when he's out there on that field, even, even last year, last year, he didn't even get a good coverage grade from PFF. I think last year was his worst coverage grade that he got throughout his entire career. I think it was right around, like, 60. He was actually, like, 59.4 coverage grade. And I still liked what I saw on film last year. No matter what game I was watching, I watched a handful of games of his. And he's just, he's got the size. He's got the explosiveness. He's got the confidence. He seems so in control when you play him up towards the line of scrimmage, in press, man coverage. He's confident. He loves being in those situations. And I think that mentality for a corner is also something that we cannot sleep on. Don't sleep on that part. Some guys, when they are playing up close towards the line of scrimmage, they get nervous. And you could tell they get nervous. Am I going to get beat this way or that way? And sometimes it's not even that, that they lack athleticism. They just don't have that confidence about them. Noah Daniels absolutely does. He knows how to get hands on wide receivers he knows how to redirect him he knows how to stick right hip to hip when they're breaking from their routes he's got the athleticism to keep up with guys deep down the field he's got good recovery speed he's got great ball skills as well this feels like a total package corner not a perfect corner certainly after all of the reps that he has missed over the last two to three years but a guy who gives you so much to love and the way that mike renner put it in his uh, Mike Renner, uh, PFS lead draft analyst, the way that he put it in his cornerback preview article is this guy's got day one tape with undrafted free agent injury history. That's that that is the way that I see Noah Daniels as well, yeah. and that is why I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't not get him on this list. I couldn't not talk about him here on this podcast. But we got to see a fully healthy year from him. And even if we do, man, all 32 NFL GMs, the question is going to be exactly the same with him. But certainly hope for his sake and for everybody's sake in college football because he's going to be a hell of a fun prospect to watch that he is healthy this upcoming year. Me too. Rooting for him. Rooting for a, a full season, a healthy season above all else, a healthy process that he's in the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game uh, in a big combine. It's just, you know, I, Trevor, everything you said, I, I'm with you. I love the tape. I love watching them play. Him and, you know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, the corners there at TCU. I like watching them. I've been watching them for a long time. Um, but, the you know, if you're – you know what I say on this podcast. If you're hurt in college, you're going to be hurt in the NFL. And it's it's harsh. It's not fun. Um, Don't say that to me. Don't say that to me, Connor. Don't say that to me! It's nice when the 1%, you know, people that break through that prove you wrong. But the 99% – it's tough. It's really tough. Um, so I'm glad you brought him up, though, because he's one of the more intriguing or more polarizing players on the defensive side of the ball in this class. Fully so healthy, I'd probably have him one or two. I'm just yeah. He'd be, he'd be a no-brainer top three if he's healthy. Yeah, yep. So number yep. four for me, uh, my favorite corner I watched while doing this exercise. Wait, Not the best. Know, hold on. I was, I was going to say, well, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. What does that mean? He's number just four. The way he, that's just the way he plays. Is your favorite uh, number number four, and you just like to slot him not. in that spot? No, do I no. Have to re, do I have to rethink every ranking we've done yet on this show that your number four is actually your number one? That, that would be quite the mind trick after how many scouting shows we've done. <laughs> so my, my explanation for that is at the NFL level, there will be limitations with this player. But at the college level, he I love the way Clark Phillips the third plays oh, from man. Utah. I mean, okay. Now, he's listed 
Let's pull him up here. 5'10", 185. I don't think he's 5'10". Maybe he's 185. He's, you know, just a smaller player. I wrote down I wrote down 5'9", 180. Sure. That's, that's, what I, that's what I wrote down. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, I think that. That would be my, if I was a betting man, that's where I'd throw my money. The number four cornerback in his recruiting class. So this is a former four-star that there was expectations. Don't make a mistake that uh, how, did, how does Utah get the, develop these guys? Like This dude's supposed to be good. Explosive, compa- compact corner uh, with inside-outside versatility. He does play on the outside a lot. He also oh, does yeah, play on does. the inside. So I'm going to look up how many exact snaps he played because I, I believe I'll 130 were in the slot off the top of my head. And then I want to say over 600 are outside. I was of the games that I watched. He he basically played everything on the outside. So I watched UCLA that they used them on the inside, probably because I would assume Kyle Phillips would be some of the reason for that in that game, if I remember correctly. But either way, he plays on the outside more than he plays on the inside. I like that he does both at the college level because the reality is, unless he's a DJ Reed kind of player who's a five foot nine outside corner in the NFL, a really good one, he's going to play a lot of inside at the next level. Can flip his hips and has lateral agility for crossing routes. Very impressive to see him run with a guy on shallow crossers all the way across the field. He'll close quickly to tackle on quick hit throws. Uh, he made a play in the Rose Bowl off of his man he was on whoever it was because the rose bowl a lot of the ohio state guys were probably sitting down i know Mm -hmm. obviously jack jackson smith was in the game that's who he he chases was it harrison smith's kid probably i would think so sorry marvin harrison's kid marvin harrison's kid harrison Harrison smith's kid who would not be playing for ohio state no not wide receiver (laughs) no so trevor he made a play off of his guy a chase down play Mm mm-hmm from the back, a strip before the goal line. That is just remarkable. The speed to chase down Jackson, the uh, ability to punch the ball with a perfect angle. And that play it really is the summary of this guy, is that he is he's all gas. He is a player that is smart. He's a player that's tough. He's aggressive. He's fundamentally sound. I really, really liked him, and it's this sad, annoying statement of, I think this guy has a chance to be Trent McDuffie next year. Is he there yet? No, he's not. But the guy that, oh, he's, you know, 5'10 or smaller. Oh, he probably has short arms. Oh, you know, all these things. But he's just a defensive back that plays football wherever you put him, outside, inside. I think he can handle some kind of safety role. This dude is just aware. He's fast. He's explosive. He's twitchy. I, I really, I'll tell you what, Trevor, I hate that I had him at four. I, I, I honestly had him, uh, I thought about having him at two, but wow. I just, you need to evaluate what he can do at the next level in all this, even though we're a year away. And I just think there will be some limitations, but he's a hell of a college football player. I, I enjoyed watching Clark Phillips, but I don't have him in my top five. Did, are you concerned about his athleticism at all? Because when I watched no. him, I did not think that he was elite of an athlete enough to make up for the lack of size. Maybe not really elite, didn't. but the damn good one. A damn good one. Yeah, I, I, I like Clark Phil. I love the mentality. I think that his his I understand completely what you said now that this guy is your favorite guy in the class because he is he is a lot of fun. He's a lot that of fun. That Utah defense, they rub off on each other. Oh. And yeah. it's not like that Devin Lloyd's gone. It's gonna they have a lot of dudes. His teammate, who was hurt last year, uh, to Travis Broughton, is a damn good player. They have a safety. They that defense is something, man. They it's the coaching, it's the attitude. I love the way they play. Man, he. I just there were a, there were a couple of times when I was watching his film where I was like, okay, you got to get to the spot. You got to get to the spot. You got to. And he just and he and he was not able to get there quickly enough. And I you could. If you were, if you watched me watch film, you could have seen me like wince because I I love the dude. <laughs> There's so much that he brings to the game, that's a lot of fun, and I think that he could be a fantastic, like new age nickel defender. You know, almost that's what he like is. Yeah. almost like what what's Chauncey Garner Johnson's measurables? Because I know oh, I know he's he's at least six feet tall. Is he tall? Is he tall? He's, than that? he's is like he, oddly a pretty big guy. The way you put. Oh, it's so, okay. I know his weight is higher. But I didn't yeah, think I know that he carries. Taller. So he's actually 5'11", 210. Okay, so he is bigger in that regard. Because when I watched, when I watched Phillips, I was like, 
can this guy just be this safety nickel hybrid defender? Because I, I think that he's so smart. And he operates in space really well. You can tell. You can watch in his tape that he's like baiting guys. Like he's, he's baiting, okay, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. I'm in the right spot. And he really messes with the minds of quarterbacks. When you put guys in that hybrid position where they could play a little bit further off, they could play safety at times, you give them that freedom to really manipulate how a quarterback is seeing the field and what's going to be open. And I think that Phillips, I love that aspect of his game, and I would just love to have more of that. So I was kind of thinking in my head, how do I get more out of that? Because if I'm worried about him as an athlete on the outside, then I'm not going to want to put him in the slot. I watched what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did with um, MJ Stewart when he was coming out of yeah. UNC and they put MJ Stewart in the slot because they had faster guys, longer guys that that could play on the outside. And MJ Stewart was not athletic enough to play outside corner in the NFL. It, that gets magnified a lot worse nowadays with how much offenses really manipulate slot defenders. If you are liable as an athlete in the slot. So Maybe I've just got PTSD from watching MJ Stewart struggle in the slot, but I was like, okay, this guy, he's built more for the slot, but I'm already having athletic concerns. I, I know I have met four, not in the top three. Okay. Limita- I, I, limitations. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I just, I had my athletic limitation questions with, with Clark Phillips, and I would love to be wrong. I hope that he certainly shows me that he is an athlete enough to play the cornerback position, whether it's outside or inside, because a lot of the rest of his game is a lot of fun. Number three for me is uh, Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. And I think a lot of people have Cam Smith in their top three. I've even some seen some people who really like him enough to be their CB1. Uh, I know I was reading, doing some research for Cam Smith, and somebody asked him at spring, it was either spring practice or during summer camp, what he thought of PFF, ranking Uh-oh. him number two i think he's the number two corner going into the season and cam and, and I, cam Smith verbatim bullshit that's it that's what he said he said love him and then I he said him. and then he said he's uh no no cornerback in the country is better than me and he's like throwing the tape you know he's very very confident which you, you love to see in the corner i absolutely love that as somebody who works for pff i absolutely love that answer i love that he's able to take yeah pride in that and uh really has a chip on his drag trevor's ass <laughs> yeah yeah it was me personally who made the ranking yeah 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 yeah. uh six foot tall 185 pounds four-star cornerback from blightwood south carolina interesting note weighed 170 pounds coming into college and the next year they had him listed 177 185 he said he wants to get up to the low 90s of course, using the uh, peanut butter and jelly late at night strategy. He wants to get up into the low 90s, probably going to play comfortably, he hopes, around 185. And I think that that's important to his scouting reports. And PFF stats for Cam Smith, just to put in perspective how good he was last season. Smith earned a 50.0 PFF grade in zone coverage in 2020. He allowed opposing QBs to complete 69.2% of their passes to receivers, an average of 22.9 yards per catch. That was in 2020 last year. Smith's PFF grade jumped all the way up to a 79.6. Anywhere in the 80s for coverage is really, really impressive. And he allowed just 42.9% of his passes thrown in his direction to be completed. Also nabbed two of his three interceptions in non-man coverage role. Strength and weaknesses. Strengths. Obviously has a lot of confidence to him, as you could hear from the quote. Long, fluid corner who primarily plays on the outside for the Gamecocks defense. Seems to be most comfortable in off coverage, but has plenty of reps in man coverage as well, coming from that Will Muschamp aggressive defensive style. What he played in 2020 was more of that man coverage role. You saw not so great coverage stats. He was clearly not as comfortable as he was being able to have a lot of freedom to play that off coverage, to play a lot of different leverage is to have a little bit more freedom in coverage. Uh, and he's just been a lot better being an off-zone corner. Familiar with the roles and spacings in cover three and cover four. Has the length to play as a press man corner. Maybe not the overall athleticism. When I get into weaknesses, he's not afraid of contact, but he isn't imposing or dominant at the point of contact, whether it is the catch point or getting off the line of scrimmage, although I think that he is more aggressive, uh, more comfortable with physicality at the catch point. I really do, which is more important. I'm cool with that. 
can be unreliable when tackling due to some weight strength concerns. The long arms, you think, okay, he can wrap guys up. He's got a long tackle radius, but sometimes that lower weight, that thinner frame really gets the best of him when he's coming in for tackle. He can at times feel a little bit too conservative in off coverage. Uh, maybe that has to do with some athletic limitations, which is kind of what I figured would be the case, but a smart off coverage corner. And I think that definitely has a role, especially in certain kind of defenses. When you get to the NFL, a lot of defenses, they'll play a little bit more off, uh, play a little bit more uh, zone coverage than they do man coverage. But of course he gives you the physical profile to potentially switch it up. So you don't have, this isn't, this isn't a physically limited, at least size scheme deficient guy. If he can be the athlete that we want him to be, if he's a little bit more athletic, maybe if he gains some weight, he's going to get some more speed in there as well. He's going to gain some more muscle. He's going to be a faster overall athlete. Then you're talking about a guy who might be scheme versatile. But as of right now, I'd probably peg Cam Smith as a off-coverage guy. I'm not so sure you'd want him to hang in man coverage a lot. So those are my thoughts on the, uh, the South Carolina corner. You know what? I'll, I'll pull a Trevor here, and I'll piggyback off of you. Because I have Cam Smith number two. Okay. And you had him number three, correct? Yep. yep. I mean, I am one of those people that really wanted to have him number one. And I, I'll i get into why I didn't because I'll. It, the only way to do that is to talk about the number one player and how many things he can do and what I think he can do going forward. But, man, Trevor, this dude is cocky. And I didn't know that story. By the way, like I wrote this down just watching him play. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the the story where he was like bullshit. I'm not like he's cocky. He's a lanky, patient corner with ball skills. And patience and ball skills go together like peanut butter and jelly, man. It's just one of those things where if you're a corner that has that, you're gonna play for a long time. Uh, as long as your legs will allow you to. He'll and people I, keep I, giving you chances. That's they for keep sure. giving you chances because you know? they're like, Oh, the light will come on at some point or the ball will find him. Uh, I wrote, he'll fire his hands into wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, doing his best J.C. Horn impression. I agree with you. I think that he's not this lights-out press corner yet, but there was a couple of reps where I watch him, and I go, man, he's he, when he throws them, there is no 70%, 80% plays. It's mm-hmm. 110%. I'm throwing my hands. And there was one play I watched, and I forget who it was against, that he threw his hands to press, and then he sliced in to, to tackle the running back on the carry. And I was like, wow, that that means there's a lot of transition in the brain as well. That he went from press coverage to slicing in. And man, I it's one of those things where I think a great player at a program really does set the tone for the guys after him. And I don't know how much, obviously, J.C. Horn was with Cam Smith. But even if they weren't together one-on-one a ton or for years there are coaches or there are other guys on the team that it just sets a precedent and when i watch cam smith play i go you know what he's not as talented as jc horn but i respect how much he wants to be jc horn and how much he molds his game around jc horn how confident he is and i i wrote there was no fear getting involved in run sport i do agree like when you're that lanky you're just sometimes you're gonna bounce off guys like you're Mm -hmm. just not meant to be you know, you're not tackling like a linebacker. It's just natural. It's called force. Uh, physics, not my best class in high school. Uh, you <laughs> knew that part. Yeah. Experience in both, both in press and playing off as man. I, this is probably the corner besides number one that I think will be given the most from his staff this year in the country, that they're going to let him do what he wants, mm-hmm. which is, you know, me and you, top guys across from him, right up in their face and say, I'm going to be here all day. I'm going to, I'm going to put hands on you. I'm going to run with you. I'm going to get a little physical down the field, but I'm not going to, you know, show my cards too much. I'm going to hide it and, and really try to get away with things. He, so he, he, he got a lot more comfortable being physical doing like bump and run stuff. And at the catch oh yeah. point, as the play went on, like, oh I feel yeah. like that, that is where he was able to mask a lot of that. And, and you could see that he was coming, which makes me think that if he gains some more weight, like, right, if he gets up to those low 90s and can play anywhere, even at 185, close to 190 with some new strength in him, then maybe it won't take as much of his full strength to get hands on guys at the line of scrimmage, or it won't take all of his full strength to really get in there and get in somebody's legs and wrap up to get a tackle. So I, I think that 
if he can successfully do what he wants to do and get a little bit more weight on him, a little bit more strength on him, then yeah, I think he's he's shown that he is comfortable being physical. He just hasn't had as much strength as he's needed to to kind of complete that strength profile in his game. And I think that's really important for him because I don't think he's like he's going to be an elite sprinter, some kind of elite tester or great athlete. Right, right. I, and that, know, was, so I, that yeah. was my worry. So yeah, I, that was why I had I couldn't have him at number one. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be some kind of elite athlete. I think he's going to have to really rely on the physicality. He has mastered a little bit of that. When you get outside of the five or ten yards, I'm going to bump you with my hips, shoulders, and forearm and elbow instead of grabbing. Mm-hmm. And it's an art. You, it's an art. You get away like. The refs should not call that. It's no. it's it goes back yeah. to being physics of body to body mm-hmm. and who's got the mass to do it. And I think when he gains that mass that you keep alluding to, it's definitely gonna take his game to a new level. But I want to get to my number two um after Camp Smith, who was number three and uh, number two. No, Camp Smith was number two. I gotta go back to number three. Yeah. Okay. Is what I need to I don't want to forget that. Eli Ricks was number three for me. So okay. I had um Cam Smith ahead of Eli Ricks, but I don't want to leave him in the dust here. Six foot two, 190. A player that we've fortunately gotten to see a lot of already for such a young player. A former five star out of IMG Academy. So when you see that former Brandon, five Florida, star. Baby. Yeah, when you see that, yeah, fake school, but not really. Uh, <laughs> when you see <laughs> powerhouse for athletes, when you see that Whatever. former I'm five gonna, star. I'm going to count it for my hometown. I'm going to count it. Hey, man, take it. People forget. You're. Uh, you're a powerhouse podcaster from IMG Academy, it's a five-star true. podcaster. Yep. So, yep. I mean, this is these are big-time athletes that come out of here. It's no secret. I think everybody listening to the show involved in scouting is aware of that. Freshman starter in 2020. So, for those really unaware, Eli Ricks uh, played at LSU his first two years and now transferred to Alabama. Not a bad situation to be in when Alabama wants you. Freshman starter in 2020 at four interceptions, took two back for touchdowns. He's just a big boundary corner. You look at him and you go, man, you're going to live on the outside. You're going to bump and run, guys. You're going to be able to make plays in the ball because you're just long. you got these tentacles uh, for arms. Excellent length with long strides to cover ground. A little tight in the hips. A little tight in the hips. Can get turned around on the deeper routes. I think he's one of those guys that... When he doesn't have to worry so much about the long speed over him and constantly running with guys and just keeping everything in front of him, being able to use those tentacles to make plays, everything's great. Uh, I think that when he's asked to do a lot of running and lateral agility in terms of flipping his hips and a lot of different a lot of different routes and bigger route trees, he, he can you could start to see him spinning a little bit. Once again, it's a really young guy that was playing in the SEC as soon as he got to college. It's really tough to do. Comes downhill with force and fire. Last thing I wrote is, oh, and I wrote strong jam when they ask him to be physical in coverage. I do think we'll see a lot of that this year. Last thing I wrote, does he have the lateral agility to be a force in man coverage? I was not able to answer that at this stage of his career. If the answer is yes, he'll be a top 20 pick. If the answer is no, probably looking at more of a round two kind of guy. Well, I have him at number one. So. And I get it. <laughs> I just said he can go in the top. Like, dude, I get it. No, I. So I have him. I have him at number one, which means uh, your number one and my number two are the same. Um, so we'll get to Keely Ringo in a second. But yeah, I, look, is it Kylie or Keely? I thought it was Keely Ringo. I heard a broadcast call him Kylie, and I was like, what? Oh, but it looks like Keely when it's written. Oh, oh, panic alarm. Maybe it is. All right. Well, when I'm when I'm talking about. Eli Ricks. I didn't even think to look this up. I didn't even think that it was a confusing thing. Uh, while I am talking about Eli Ricks, you can try to scramble to go to a YouTube video to see a commentator <laughs> saying something about Ringo. All right, so Eli Ricks. Connor did a good job of kind of setting the table of what he does well. Six foot two, 190 pounds. It's it's prototypical size for a corner. Maybe you'd want corners to be a little bit bigger. Maybe he can even put on a little bit more size. But being six foot two, he's got the size. He's got the length profile. The absolutely love to see. Former five star cornerback from California started his career at LSU. Now at Alabama, um, started seven games and got four interceptions during his freshman campaign in 2020. Extremely impressive, especially for a school that is known for its defensive backs like LSU is. For Ricks to be able to come in and start and play right away and play really well, I think that's that's. Uh, that's really important, and that's that's really impressive to see. Landed him on the third-team All-American list, second-team All-SEC list from the Associated Press. Uh, during the 2021 campaign, he had 11 tackles, uh, but he also played in just six games 
before his season was cut short due to a shoulder injury. Not exactly great. Some PFF stats in his 227 press coverage snaps over his career. Ricks has allowed only six of his 21 targets to be caught for just 121 yards while generating three interceptions and five forced incompletions. That is incredible production from the press man coverage alignment. That means that you are dominating the targets that are going to your man when you are in man coverage. And I think that speaks volumes. And that is the most important thing about Eli Rakes' scouting report and why I think that he is so good, why I have him as my number one corner. Very easy to see why this player was a five-star coming out of high school, reading my notes here on him now. Mix of athleticism and length are pro caliber comfortable and confident in press man coverage can mirror in coverage very well played a lot of off coverage against mississippi state but i would say that that probably wasn't his best use of skill set he's going to be much more of that uh that man coverage close to the line of scrimmage kind of a player fast fluid footwork thought that he could be a tad over aggressive at times but i didn't think that it was totally egregious i did not have the athleticism concerns that you did i, I thought that the footwork was great I thought that the, the the hips moved plenty well. I thought he could open it up, and I thought he could run with a lot of guys. And so I did not see that. Perhaps we get into next season, and certainly he's going to be a starter for Alabama. They're going to be in a lot of different shootouts with some good offenses uh, as they probably are going to be another college football playoff team again upcoming. He's going to have plenty of tests. And you and I talked about this in the pre-show when we were actually talking about Ringo. And you were like, Ringo played in so many big games over the course of the season. It was easy to find a handful of games where he's going up against good quarterbacks, good wide receivers, just good passing attacks overall. You've got good good tape to weigh him against. And I think that that's going to be the case for Ricks as well. We're going to know what kind of a player Ricks is at the end of the season. And from what I saw at LSU... Now he's going over to Alabama. He's getting the he's becoming another DB in the DB tree of Nick Saban. Man, I think that the, the sky is the limit for this guy. I really did not have the full-on athleticism concerns that you did. And if he is a limited athlete, we're going to know by the end of the year because he's going to be in a lot of games in which that might be glaring. They might have to hide some of that. But as of right now, man, I got full confidence in him. I think he is one of the most talented players that we have scouted so far in summer scouting. Wow. So that's why you I really him. like him. Yeah, I, I really do. I think that he is an extremely talented player. I really do. I really liked him. Uh, once again, I, I do. I just have the hip to heighten this questions and I'm, you know, I didn't walk away from this corner class and go, man, you know, there's a dude in here. So I'll get to number one, I guess, um, who can be a dude. He's just not there yet. Redshirt mm-hmm. sophomore, Keely Ringo, I found the pronunciation. It's, that's nailed it. Broadcasting no no. Uh, so 6'2, 205, timed in the four threes, former five star, um, and was the number four overall prospect in his recruiting class. Not bad. Pretty Not good bad. place to be. Not bad. Pretty good place to be. Red shirt in 2020 as he recovered from offseason surgery. So he got to school uh, at Georgia and was a red shirt coming off an injury. And then he, when he starts to play, this is where I got patient and aware in off coverage. He, For a young player, I did not see him biting on double moves. I actually saw him not buy a double move, stay patient, and backtrack to make the interception on the throw down the field. That was wildly impressive. 200 snaps in press coverage in 2021. Zero fear. Georgia, and now Georgia up front, we know the kind of powerhouse they are. But they didn't have any, they trusted this dude. They really did. And and they threw a lot at him as well. And he held his own. Strong wrap-up tackler that gets to ball carriers. And he comes to balance. He breaks down. He comes to balance and makes the tackle. And, and well, there's just certain fundamental things with him that I was so impressed for a young player. And it, yeah, credit to Georgia, but credit to the kind of athlete and kind of talent this guy is and the kind of worker he is. Uh, considering he had to miss the 2020 season because of that offseason surgery. He can run with the best even when initially beat. And that's just so important. I mean, if you're, and even if he's not really 6'2, Trevor, say he's 6'1, 200 pounds, and he mm-hmm. might be 6'2, he looks big. The fact that he can run like this, if you are a 6'2 corner that runs in the four threes and you run in pads, you're it. Like, you're gonna, even if you have little things to work on, you're absolutely gonna be a big deal in the draft. 
Uh, I wrote, he had a very Trevon Diggs national championship game in 2021. He gave up a lot of catches and yards, but had a pick six in the fourth quarter. Alabama really went after him. They, they, they looked around they the field. They were not afraid to go after him. They were not afraid to go after him. He had a tough first half, and I thought he did not look scared in the second half. He even made a play in the red zone over the middle on the ball and broke up a, a would-be touchdown. And I was like, man, for a 19-year-old in the national championship that's just been the guy, they're just they're just torturing him the first half or trying to. They were trying to be like, okay, that's the guy that we're going after because the front is going to kill us and, you know, Darion Kendrick. There's so many other players, Lewis Seen. There's NFL players galore on this defense. They looked at Ringo, the young gun, and they went after him. And he didn't lose his confidence in the second half. And I think that that might have been his toughest game of the season, the national championship as a redshirt freshman. Sky is the limit for him because of the size, the speed, the ball skills, the patience, the tackling, the fact that he gets to go up against incredible talent in the SEC. And even on his worst day, he still had the resiliency. And if you are going to play cornerback in the NFL in this league with the awful rules in this era <laughs> that are all geared towards offense and wide receivers and right. turning it into seven on seven football every single year. If you have the mindset that you can overcome a bad week, a bad rep, a bad half, a bad quarter, whatever it is, and you have that kind of raw talent, I think he's going to be really, really good this year. You had a little venom in your voice. There. I hate how did you see this? Speaking of this, that they want to emphasize illegal contact this year. Did you see that this week? come out that they was like an, oh yeah yeah, yeah, national yeah, yeah report yeah. that they're telling the officials who everybody screams at and i get yeah, it right, but they're right. they're doing what they're told to do the fact they want to put an emphasis on illegal contact this year the game has changed and it's gone too far the other way it's gone too far the other way and you know how you know that because if you asked a not a casual a pretty serious nfl fan to name seven lockdown corners they couldn't do it because you can't be a lockdown corner in this league unless you're a super freak, like a total alien. So it's yeah. I don't like hearing things like we that. Should, that. We should we should ban passing. Yeah, you go back. Just just run the ball. Wing T. Only run the ball. <laughs> no forward be, passing. It should be nine offensive linemen, one quarterback, and one Nick Chubb behind nine offensive linemen. That's pure football. That's God's that's real. Football. That's when you real. Die football. And you go to heaven. The yeah. second you get through the pearly gates, there's going to be a big park. There's going to be like a big, big, like heavy. It's going to be like Gabriel Park or something, right? And there's going to be a gridiron going on. And it's just going to be nine offensive linemen fully lined up against nine defensive linemen and then two linebackers right behind them. Every God's Super Bowl point. of the last seven years is a Mickey Mouse trophy. And if you go to, and if you go to hell, it's just, it's just seven on seven. It's just seven, seven on seven. On seven <laughs> Everybody's got 45 armbands on. There's seven officials. There's two on each sideline. There's two out in the field. There's two behind. There's one <laughs> sitting in a drone overhead watching. And he's just got, he's got a set, like a, what do they call it? Uh, that they used to wear in the Wild West. That they keep the bullets in, but it's flags. Flags in them, and he just throws them out. Oh, yeah, I don't know what it would be called. I don't know what it would be. Called. Oh, man, I haven't played Red Dead in a while. So it's like a, it's bad. just like a it's just like a cross body thing, you know? Like it's like a cross body. Yeah. You got you got the but bullets. It's, it's, but it's yellow flat. flags. People have no idea where we went with that, but <laughs> just know. Could you imagine though a ref <laughs> in like a sitting in like a little like a child swing, but it's a drone and just hovers over the field? I guarantee we get there. No, we're going to get there. No, we're going to get there. Robots are definitely taking over the referee world. We're just going to bring them on for umpiring and drop it in baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a big problem. All right. So, Keely Ringo, you mentioned how much he played, uh, how much he played mid coverage, but he also played a decent amount in off coverage as well, or at least in, um, at least in off zone coverage. When you look at his snaps, 515 coverage snaps last year, 213 in press coverage. So, a lot of them, right, in press coverage. So, you like that, that he is able to do that. But he also had plenty of experience in a variety of different coverages. And I thought he played all of those really, really well. Long athletic corner who could play in a variety of different coverages. He's comfortable and experienced in press, not just with space at the line, but in the contact window as well. Uses the sideline as his extra defender constantly. Understands the squeeze technique when you're in cover three, which is, of course, 
you know, you're, you're basically playing with your back to the sideline. And if the guys are trying to run behind you, you're trying to squeeze them, right? You're trying to cut them off using that extra defender, that sideline. So they can't get up the sideline and past you. It's a way that you could do the, the Saban shuffle is what everybody calls it, right? Where you get out of your, you get out of your stance and you're, you're, you're opening your hips up towards the quarterback. So you can keep your eyes on the quarterback, but you're continuing to squeeze your butt towards the line of scrimmage, angling, how you retreat, how you shuffle back to really make sure that that guy can't get vertical on you. So I thought that he showed a great understanding of that um, was really in, in control in that area. When he was playing that technique of coverage, closing speed is obviously top tier. You talk about a guy who can run a four, three, five, the closing speed's all going to be there. Not afraid to play physical either. Something that I really liked about his game. Something I'm really glad that you highlighted. Anytime you get a cornerback who runs somewhere in the four threes, you tell yourself, Oh, okay. But you know, they don't want to lay hands on somebody. They don't want to get physical. That's not the case with Keely Ringo. I think that he is certainly down for it. Weaknesses. He's young. So that goes. He's into really it. young. But what from the tape that I'm judging him on does not look in control at all times. Hater. Despite the elite athleticism. That was something that was a little bit. I did not expect to see something like that for a player that is as athletic as Keely Ringo is. I did not I, I did not expect to see him as out of control as it seemed like some of those reps were, especially when it came to breaks in offensive or in wide receivers routes. I felt like he could got, he got turned around more than I thought that he was going to. Sometimes he'd just do like he wouldn't be opening up his hips and keeping his eyes towards the line of scrimmage. He'd do like the full spin turn, you know, where he turns his back to the line of scrimmage. He did that with look. So sometimes, sometimes you have to as a corner, right? Sometimes, like the game of football is very fast, and sometimes doing that full spin is is your best route to where the ball is going. But he did it a lot more than I thought that he was was going to, which is kind of like okay, you need to be a little bit more in control, so you're avoiding those situations a little bit more. Has a tendency to give up separation in the breaks of the stems of receivers when they're getting into their routes. He keeps his feet moving, but just doesn't anticipate or dictate that next change of direction as well as he could be by being a little bit more sticky in coverage. And that's what these are areas where I have faith that he can get a lot better because I've seen him play physical. He could play physical at the line of scrimmage, he could play physical in run defense. But when he is retreating sometimes with wide receivers and they put their foot in the ground and they change direction, whether it's a post or an in or an out or a something, sometimes I see Ringo, it's almost like his his hips, it's like he's dancing, like his hips are going one way or the other, and he just doesn't anticipate the break the way that he should. And then when he doesn't anticipate the break the way that he should, he's given him a little bit too much separation to the point where then he can't dictate the turn with a little physicality, a little bit of a bump, and... I just want to see him clean that up a little bit more because this guy is absolutely athlete enough. He's comfortable with being physical enough to stay in the hip pocket of some of these receivers a little bit more. He has, you mentioned the term ball of clay earlier in the podcast. I feel like he is another one who he has all of this ability to him. It's just not as honed in as it could be right now. So maybe that'll get better with reps. Mention how young he was as a player, but that's why I had him number two ultimately and not number one. I know a lot of people have Ringo at number one going into the season, but that's why I didn't have him at number one is because I didn't feel like he was as in control, as confident as Eli Ricks was ahead of him. I felt like Ricks played with that chip on his shoulder, that motivation, that wearing his emotions on his sleeve, that 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 confidence that you want to see from a cornerback. Ringo can get to that point. He's got the ability to certainly play with that kind of confidence. I just didn't see it as much as I did with Ricks and as much as we could with Ringo moving forward. Yeah, I My mean, thoughts. listen, I thought this, this group was one of the more wide-open ones that we've done uh, when I look at uh our evaluations I, I think ringo there's been huge expectations on him for a long time and same with ricks there's huge expectations on him and he's played at a high level already as a freshman and then you have some of these guys you know like a clark phillips that was a big recruit but is you know playing at utah so maybe as many fans and draft fans aren't familiar with him yet garrett williams syracuse like we're not used to watching corners at syracuse every year i know they've mm -hmm. had a couple recently so and then Cam Smith, who is truly a guy we need to see more football from. So it's an interesting group. Um, Anybody else? Not in the top five? Do you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I mean, th there's really, 
the I'm excited to see what they can make with 2022 kind of guys. Two that stick out to me. I mentioned to Travis Broughton uh, from Utah because he was hurt for most of last year. So when you watch the Utah secondary, you get to watch a couple guys that could be NFL players. Mm-hmm. And then I want to see what Joey Porter Jr. at Penn State can do this year. The redshirt junior, 6'2", 190. Yeah. He's had some flashes when I've watched him. I want to see him take his game to the next level this year. And, think he, and I really think he will. I, wouldn't, I would kind of bet on him finishing as a top five corner in, in next year's draft class or, or fringe kind of guy there. Those are the two that I, I had to get in. What about you? Uh, Storm Duck would be the other one that I wanted to bring to the table. And if anyone has never heard the name Storm Duck before, no, I'm not making that up. That's an actual college football name. It's one of the best names in so the country. Good. Storm he, Duck. He is a corner for UNC. And um, he would he would have been sixth here for me. Six feet tall, 200 pounds. But he's it's it's the same situation with Noah Daniels where we just have not seen enough of Storm Duck. He has been hurt over the last couple of years, and it's just been one injury after the other that he has been having to work through to get back on the field and be on the field consistently, which we haven't seen yet. I'm hoping for another fully healthy year because there's when he's on the field, I mean, I feel like there's a lot to like. He plays with a big-time physical profile to his game, not afraid to get hands on guys at the line of scrimmage, loves to dictate where wide receivers are going in their routes, and he's got good enough athleticism to keep up with him. He's going to be a consistent guy who's going to be able to stay hip-to-hip with guys running nine routes down the line of scrimmage, especially in the pros. Okay, maybe not, but he's a strong, confident corner, and he's somebody that I'm looking for to seeing this year back in 2019 when he was just a true freshman he allowed only 25 of 47 targets to be caught for just 295 yards to so less than 300 yards uh total earned him an 81.3 coverage grade as a freshman as a true freshman he got himself an 81.3 coverage grade so i think he's got a lot of ability really confident in himself just hurt man who has hurt yep. a lot in the last couple of years and, and god he- how often was that the freaking story of this class sucks man it sucks like there's so many guys that should be in this class that should be in the nfl already yeah i think that if storm duck would have had health on his side if noah daniels would have had health on their side we wouldn't even be talking about him right now they'd be in the nfl and maybe that's still on their path maybe they're going to be day two guys in the end because i think that their talent certainly warrants it but wanted to give him a shout out because him and noah daniels right there for me number five and number six as players that have a ton of talent to them they just got to stay on the field. They got to get health on their side. They got to get some luck. And I'm hope I'm certainly hoping they do. All right, man. Uh, we are almost at the finish line. Mm, Next one, week, we will do the safeties. One position left. It's great. Yeah, we're not going to do the specialist. I'm sorry for the big, you know, kicker, long snapper. You're not doing punter. long snappers? No, I think I'm going to wait till the winter to dive into that. <laughs> we'll have, we'll, we'll, we'll get a couple in on the show. I'm not going to do it this hey, summer. Long snapper. Wait, how many long snappers got drafted last year? I think one. Did one? Let's see. Over, under, uh, one and a half. What are you putting it at? Under, or over? Under, under. Okay, you're saying under. You're a coward. There was a lot of kickers and punters taken. Long snapper, long snapper, long snapper, long snapper. Wait, where is it? Did we, oh no, did we not get one? No, we had to get one. <laughs> wasn't that, wait. I wait, went, wait, I took the under. Hold on, wasn't, wasn't last year the year that like one of the long snappers got a call. I coach, the, like, nah, wasn't there a long snapper from Pitt? I thought, that he, was, I thought he was trolling them. Uh, no, I don't think we got a long snapper last year. We're mixing up years at this point. Oh, no. I, I don't know, year dude. Before. Now I got to check 2021. Was it? Oh, no. 2021. Only eight long snappers have been drafted since 2015. Oh, son of a gun. Yeah, it was Thomas Fletcher. That's what I'm thinking of. When Matt oh, Rule, when Matt Rule called him Thomas Fletcher. Yeah, and Cameron Cheeseman, which is just the greatest long snapper <laughs> name of all time. I thought Thomas uh, Fletcher was was this past year in 2021. Man, oh, all right, man. you win. You picked the under. Yeah, but I was wrong. I thought one was taken, so. No, it's fine. It's good no, to look, be humble look, on this. Look, this, is the, this is the official podcast of being humble. Bullshit. For just two six foot four, two hundred forty pound guys to, talking to, football. <laughs> it's, my it's my favorite bullshit. bit. It's my favorite bit. All right, so uh, Monday we got another mock draft Monday coming for you. Kind of rounding out the summer schedule of what we're doing here. If you missed last Monday's episode, we went through and we 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 went back and forth snake draft style, drafting who we think is going to lead the NFL in receiving yards. So if you missed that on Monday, that's what we had this past Monday. 
not set in stone what we're doing this upcoming Monday because there's a couple of ideas that we still have on the schedule, but there's only so many Mondays that we have left before we really get the season kicked off. So uh, we're going to kind of get a little powwow here. Normally on Fridays, we do a little powwow between us and the producers and we'll choose it, but it'll be a very entertaining one. We got to bring the noise, of course, because we only have a few left. But then one week from now, safeties, safety group, round out summer scouting. And then we're going to get to our big board, our top 50 big board. It's exciting times, man. Great time to be us. I mean, it's a great time to be. Yeah, great. <laughs> Brother wins. Not a great time to be us. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Just you said on the, 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 the humility podcast. Yes. Not, yes. not a good time to be us. That's yes. That is the lesson from this show. So I'm, I'm out of words, dude. Corner class. I used all my words. I'm excited for all right. uh, our Monday our Monday draft, and I'm sure we'll get off. We got so off script with the the fact that we should you should only be allowed to run the ball in the NFL going forward. Our NFL street league, you could do that. Yeah, right. But not in real life. In heaven and in NFL street, which are actually two of the same things. All right, everybody. We're going to take the next couple of days off because Connor's used to all his words, but we will be back with you on Monday for a great Mock Draft Monday episode. I'm Trevor. That is Connor. This has been the NFL Sock Exchange Podcast. <laughs>